Welcome to Happy Healthy You Special Edition. I'm Connie Bowman, and I'm here with my favorite goddess, Sierra Bender. She's a motivational speaker. She's a, an empowerment teacher. She's a best-selling author. She's awesome. We're here to have a goddess update. Hi, goddess. Hi, Goddess Connie. Good to see you again. Good to see you. I just went on your website. It looks so beautiful. Such a nice, fresh, new face it has. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work, but yes, it's thank you. Well, you are always so busy teaching at all the different places that you teach at. You're doing your Goddess workshops, your Goddess boot camps, Goddess in the bedroom, Goddess here, Goddess there, <laughs> Goddess, Goddess everywhere. <laughs> Tell us... I know you're working on some really important work with on college campuses. Can you just give us a little brief update on what's going on with that? Sure. Um, about five years ago, I started to recognize a lot of the issues that were going on on college campuses, and not that they weren't always there years prior to, but it started to just have a head to a head at the problem, which was rape on college campuses. Mm. And I recognized through all the women that I've worked with um, throughout the world, the one audience that was missing more so were 20 year olds, you know, and one, they can't afford it. Um, two, they're so busy in school and mm. what have you living their lives. But it is the most vulnerable age group um, in your 20s, your 18s to your 20s of becoming uh, a woman and becoming empowered and working with their sensuality and sexuality and we're starting to see this rape all over the place on college campuses. So I did Simmons College. We did a day of empowerment. It's called at Simmons College. We sold out. It rocked the house. The women loved it. We opened it up to the public too for them to bring their moms, sisters, friends and it was a huge success. However, it brought up some issues um, because nobody really wants to mm, kind of, I shouldn't say nobody, but it's just a huge problem of looking at the true statistics and what's going on with college campuses. Right. Well, it's a real um, PR issue for campuses. I mean, let's face it. It doesn't look good when you have rapes on campus. So, yeah, bringing it to light is not always going to be the popular thing to do, Sierra. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. And, and well, that's my job. That's the that's the job of the goddess. All goddesses, yeah. as women, we bring light to a subject matter. We bring light. We bring love. We bring truth. You know, all to create change. And so sometimes it's like, hey, it's not broken. Don't fix it. But how many casualties do we have to have of rape cases on college campuses before we really look at it? You know, I'm about prevention and protection always been about prevention and protection about anything. And even if women are a statistic, you know, how do they not become a statistic again because the uh, uh, rate of them becoming a statistic again, whether they're out being harassed and work through a boss or a husband or a boyfriend, it's going to happen again. So how do we help young women, and it's not just young women, but you know, I see it with all ages of women, not become victims of these circumstances. And so how do we become empowered again in the boardroom, the bedroom, in our community, the world. And uh, so that's one age group that's really suffering right yeah. now. Yeah. So what is your what is your big vision for this campus yeah. sort of ministry? <laughs> sort of as a ministry. Well, I'm working on that right now. 
so I can't really bring it out to the public yet, but um, I have I have a solution, and sometimes people don't want to hear the solution. Okay. And it's really about how do we, everyone take responsibility, from the university to the police, to the parents, to the sororities, to the fraternities, to the women, to the men. It's not about blame. If you blame, you continue being a victim. It's everyone has to be held accountable in order to create this change and change the culture on campuses. And, and it, you know, to me, it's that simple. However, we're dealing with a lot of political things and a lot of organizational things and things take time. So, but my, uh, my, my main, um, goal, I should say, is just that how do we get this in as quick as possible before there's more casualties? Yes, I agree. Good. So stay tuned. We'll stay tuned to your website and all of your newsletters and everything. If somebody wants to get involved yeah. in this, how would somebody get involved? Well, a lot of the girls, you know, even the 20-year-olds that would come to the boot camp for goddesses or goddesses of the core, they'd be like, oh, my God, see, are the girls on my, on my college, in my college, excuse me, would love this. Would you come and speak? So that's how it usually first starts. And then it's like, okay, let's take it to the next level. Let's take okay. it to the next step. You know, empowerment is not just conceptual. It's not just talking about it. It's actually embodying it and putting it into effect, a call to action. So I'm all about call, call to action. So that's usually how it starts. Or I just got back from Florida State um, in Tallahassee. I was a keynote speaker for Oasis Center, which is a beautiful, beautiful, they're all about prevention and protection center for women and girls. And then I uh, was a speaker at a day of a dialogue, which was one of uh, my clients, uh, Sherry Rowland, who came to boot camp for goddesses, asked if I would come and speak. And when I came, the name of the speech that I spoke about was just about this. It was called In the Silence is the Violence. And in the silence is the violence is, is that we can't keep turning our heads and we can't just keep ignoring what the obvious is. And, you know, being a leader doesn't always mean being nice. It doesn't mean you're, you're, people are always going to agree with you. But somebody's got a goddamn lead. Yeah. To take the first step. <laughs> somebody's got to do it, right? It might as well be a goddess. <laughs> so you got to get on the front line. You know, it's like boot camp for goddesses. You got to get on the front line, you know. And there's so much back in return. So it's, uh, you know, women have to step up to the plate and start leading. And, and parents start to have, start to have to ask questions. You know, you're sending your most precious, beautiful being asset, your child, into a college campus. You're spending a fortune. You know, the first three months that a girl enters in, onto a college campus is her highest rate of rape. You need really? to educate order. Oh, yeah, yeah. So do you think a university is going to write you a letter saying, hey, welcome. Right. Welcome to our college campus. Oh, by the way, the first three months your daughter enters in, onto campus, she has the highest rate a statistic of being raped. No. Right. So the parents need to ask questions. The young women really need to understand what they're stepping foot into um, and how to reality check because these girls in their 20s are very promiscuous today and throw in their sensuality and sexuality all over the place. They need to hone it in also of what is freedom of speech and freedom of expression to where am I selling myself and where am I making an ass out of myself, excuse me. Um, you know, they're not always the victim because they're part of the problem. And so, you know, it's kind of like facing the reality of looking at all the different avenues, you know? Yeah. I love the way you just lay it right there on the line. <laughs> you know, well, 
my niece is going to American University. I was just talking to my sister about this uh, a couple days ago, and apparently they have started to respond in the right way to this. And they they have established some programs where they take the kids around campus and really talk about safety. And um, they actually take them into DC and teach them how to navigate the metro and the DC area. So I think there's some really positive things happening. So I think if we just keep working toward that goal, like you said, I think things are gonna change, but sadly, probably like you said, also slowly. But, but just keeping it out there, it's great work. Thank you so much for what you're doing to keep our goddesses yeah. safe. I love it. It's like, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like a superhero. You know, it's like us women who, such as yourself, taking on the role of defining what is the goddess warrior, you know? And, and uh, you know, it's not this Eastern Indian goddess symbol. It's us, in reality, getting out there and kicking some butt, you know? And, uh, and creating change and saying, I've had enough. You know, I've had enough, you know, every time you turn on the news, every time, you know, even in your own neighborhood and looking around, you become so desensitized that uh, we're getting used to it. Well, I'm sorry, I don't want to get used to it. And I find it unacceptable. So, you know, as you recognize for yourself, you turn your pain into power and you create change. And so really, it's, it's also how you got started in writing your book and, you know, what motivated you, what tickled your heart, yet but there was some pain behind it, yet some relief, you know, all these things that come into play into being a leader, you know? It's not just saying, hey, hey, I'm going to lead and people are going to follow me because I'm dictating to them what they should or shouldn't do. So it's really, um, it's a lesson, you know, it's a humble lesson. You know, I always say, as I close my eyes and I feel it, it is a, a, a humble confidence yet defiant, you know? Mm. So I, I always remind myself, you know, be humbly confident, but yet defiant at the same time when you don't agree with something. Yeah, that's a fierce power. If you can, yeah. if you can find that place, that's that's really great. I love talking to you. I always get so inspired. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? Enough about me. What about you now, Goddess Girlfriend? You have a new book. You know, the journey of hope, healing, and awakening. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I just reached a point where I said it's got to be written and this past December it came out just a book about my experience of losing my daughter Megan um which has been a, it's been a while so I I'm I'm comfortable talking about it grief is is really tough but um I started the podcast you've been a regular on my podcast back um happy healthy you a couple years back and I really <laughs> felt like there was a little piece missing and happy healthy you is all about living a whole whole life, mind, body, and spirit, which I know you're on board with. And there was something missing. And I, I'm just like, it's my story. It's, it's the whole reason why I do everything I do really now. I mean, um, Megan died of uh, complications from congenital heart disease when she was six. And it was, it was sort of sudden, but not. I mean, we knew she had this condition, but she went into the hospital for some tests. And she, um, basically didn't come out. I mean, she went into, I tell the whole story as my book, Back to Happy. <laughs> so the sto so my book is about how I got back to happy. And I really did. I legitimately got back to happy after, you know, doing some of these mind, body, spirit approaches and, and they work for me. So I feel like if I can share that with people and help one person, then I'm so happy about it. 
I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a leader, uh, you know, how do we turn our pain into power and learn from these things and then be able to teach them? And so like you, you wrote a book. Isn't it so healing? Like when you start writing it, it's like there's a healing process. Like I never thought I would become a writer. Um, yeah, I always yeah. do journals and think that near-death experience like I just didn't know what to do with all this information it was so helpful but then I, I, I was like wow like some of this stuff is like you're channeling it you're saying prayers out loud I don't know this stuff just comes out of you and you're like wow I so. know well you know it's funny because I had talked to you about your book years ago and so many people say the same thing it's like when it wants to come through it just does and I literally I mean I've been sort of jotting down notes for years but when I first started writing and I tried to set a discipline for myself, I was going to write like a chapter a day or a chapter a week or something. And it never worked like that. It was like some days I'd write four chapters and some days I'd yeah. be like uh, one paragraph would come through. So it's like when it wants to come through. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. 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 And it's so much easier that way. You know, it's uh, so much easier um, getting the analytical brain out of the way and just you know, but the mind and the hand head connection, you're like, how do I just write this down? And I remember through my process, my editor was like, God dang it, Sierra. She's like, just write it all down, jibber jabber, whatever it is. And then, and then, and then you go back and then you start to edit it, but you can't, you know, edit it as you're going, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. so tell us, what is the name of your book? Well, it's back to happy. This is it. It's, it's a little book. It's, um, it's my story about losing, as I said, Megan, my first child and the journey that I went through to kind of get back to happy because as anybody knows who's been through any kind of a trial in life, it's really like the healing journey is, it's a sacred journey. And um, I don't think I realized it as such at the time that I was going because it was so painful. But in retrospect and in writing it, I really realized that I was not only was I guided throughout the whole journey of healing, but it was taking me somewhere. It was really part of my purpose. I mean, it's part of sort of a, a, a gradual and gentle unfolding of my purpose. So that's pretty cool. I mean, if we could just live our lives that way. Now I'm, I want to, one chapter of my book. Okay. Let me just go back a little bit because the book is about the story. Um, it tells the story, but then I go, I have nine lessons that I learned and one lesson is surrender. And I really feel like one of the most important things that I learned from this whole journey was to surrender to what is. And I know you know this. When we surrender to what life, instead of fighting against it, because, you know, like Carl Jung says, what we resist persists. So we really need to sort of get in alignment, get in the flow with what wants to be in our lives. And once we do that, things just, it's almost magical how, how life unfolds for us. You know, don't yeah. you find that? Yeah, I call it the cosmic hook. You know, you're on your conscious cosmic hook where you're just gliding instead of um, trying to swim upstream. Or, you know, I would say my prayer too is may there be no friction or resistance. I surrender to what is. You know, and uh, I have the tools to to be with it. Yeah. Whether it's painful yeah. or not, I know it's it's only temporary. You know, it's mm. it's what I choose it to be. Um, so, but you you wrote this book because you had a painful situation in your in your life. Mm -hmm. 
I did. Yes. Which was? So Megan was six and she was born with a congenital heart disease that uh, wasn't diagnosed until she was two, even though my intuition told me there was something. I read about it in the book. My intuition, I knew something was wrong and I kept taking her back to the doctor and saying, there's something that doesn't feel right, even though she didn't have full blown symptoms, but she, there was something not right. And I was, it was my first child. I was young. I didn't right. really Mother's totally, totally strong. I mean, always trust your intuition. If, if there's ever a question default to the mother's intuition, because it's always right. So, um, this particular doctor said I needed a vacation and I was just, you know, stressed out new mother and, oh, that should have gotten my righteous anger going right there. <laughs> But I didn't because, you know, he was telling me basically what I wanted to hear, that there was nothing wrong with this child. And so time went on and she was eventually diagnosed because I was persistent. And um, she she lived for several years and, you know, healthy. And then she had some sickness. And um, and when she was six, six, we took her into the hospital for some just some regular tests that she'd had over the course of the years and um she just she didn't make it through those tests and we had no idea that this would happen obviously and so it was it was shocking and horrible and as you can imagine and so um i had another child at i was pregnant with my son and i had another my daughter who's now caroline who you know is in Wicked on Broadway. She uh, was three at the time. And she used to say to me, Mommy, where is Megan right after she died? She had and I was like at such a loss because, you know, even though I was raised in the Episcopal Church, and I went to my priest, and I said, What do I tell this child? What I, I mean, she said, just tell her she's in heaven. And I would tell her she's in heaven. And Caroline would go, Well, where's heaven? <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know. And so I went back to my priest. I'm like, what do I tell her? And the answers were not there for me. I mean, it wasn't as though I was I was upset. With, I never got upset with God or anything, but I just didn't get the answers I wanted. So I got on this whole spiritual quest because I wanted to know where my kid was. You know, I wanted to know. And so it took me on an, a journey of awakening and the things that I uh, that I learned and the healing that I went through took me, you know, to yoga. Now I'm a yoga instructor took me through a Reiki. I got my Reiki certification, um, so many different places. And I write about it in the book. So it really was a journey of healing and, and anybody could take it without having to go through the, the trauma. So that's my prayer is that anybody who reads it might, not that anybody can avoid it, but they can certainly take, take a little bit of an easier route. So to awakening. That's like, so one day she's there, the next day she's not. It's not like you prepare, you, you could prepare for that. It's like pulling the plug. That must have been horrific. Yeah. Like yeah. part of your soul goes with it. You know, that's like the soul retrieval of anything traumatic. A traumatic experience isn't just, oh, my God, getting in a car accident or, you know, losing something. It's like a part of you fragmented in that moment in time. Your soul, you went like outside of yourself. And, you know, that's the question. Where's my kid? You know, because my, uh, my soul, a part of my soul went with her, you know, and all the work that you're doing is helping you retrieve those lost parts of yourself, but also how she's a part of you, too. You know, it's like you're not separate. 
you know, we're one, we're all one. It's just understanding, like, the mind wants to know, well, where is she? She's in a box, she's in heaven, you know, compartment, you know, we want to put, and I know our stories are very similar, and, you know, I've lost a child with a tubular pregnancy, but I never got a chance to hold the child, you know, mm. I lost it through four months, and my uterus ruptured, and as you know, we talk about it, but I never had, I can only imagine what that must have felt like, because you had an emotional connection to this little being, you know, and here she is. Yeah. So how did you, you know, you said the tools you used were yoga, Reiki. You know, I always say for my heart and my mind to um, release a little bit of the burden off of the ego, you know, and, and, and trying to um, put it in a mental perspective of understanding was is that a true soulmate teaches you how to love yourself. Mm. She definitely to- was a soulmate for me, I feel like. Okay. Soulmate is actually someone who's come into your life to truly teach you how to love yourself, to to empower yourself, to teach what this love is. And here she was, like your biggest teacher, you know, to to do the work that you're doing here today. And it's like, wow, wow. I really see her as that. You can hide in the secret. Yeah, Megan, um, for me, I, I do. I mean, most people associate soulmates with romantic partners, but I, I'm right. with you on that. I, I do feel like after a while, I was able to really um, grasp that she came. I mean, I'm, this sounds really weird, but I feel like she came for me to teach me these things that I needed to know and, and for me to reach a level of acceptance that even though she's gone, she's not really gone and we're always connected. And um, that was like huge. That's huge to be able to be able to accept that and considering she's a child. I mean, it's easy to accept, easier to accept that a parent has gone because that's the natural progression of things. But to lose a child is just not natural. Yeah. So, so I do feel like she was a soulmate in that respect. She was a big Big, 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 big teacher. She was a goddess. She's the goddess of all goddesses. <laughs> so. Hey, it has the word God in it, right? God, goddess. Yep, that's right. It's all good. It's all God. Oh my gosh, I know. Like, well, you know, it's interesting because when I passed over and had my conversation with God and Christ, and I was like, okay, what's going on here? It doesn't feel like you are separate. If feels like you're all one you know it does feel that way you know it we just forget how to speak to them because we feel that they're not physically present in front of us it doesn't mean that they don't exist you know and uh that was huge for when I came back how how more open my heart became in my mind and my actual being to say oh my god there's so much more you know I, I make myself feel smaller and feel smaller because I'm really not lifting the veil to see that there's so much more and this consciousness that is here and, you know, like the, um, and love, you know, as I was told, love is not just an emotion. It's the most powerful force grounded by action and responsibility. And it's like, okay, so now what are you going to do with this experience? Like yours, what are you going to do with this experience? You've had this experience now. How are you going to help not only yourself become empowered, but others, right? So that's what the true definition of empowerment is 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 pulling forth what's already within you to help others you know so bravo thank you thank you thank you thank you you know um 
I I just want to say something about that. Uh, how when you came back, you felt like you had to make yourself smaller. I th I think that's kind of what we do in this world. We make ourselves smaller, especially women, because that's how we feel like we have to to fit in. And I think we need to be be much more comfortable in our our bigness, <laughs> our grandness, our spiritness. And where you were when you, you actually got to experience it. So you know how vast we are as spiritual, as whole beings, body, mind, and spirit. So why can't we just embody that instead of shrinking down to be smaller, to fit in to the 3D world, you know? So that's why we, we, we get each other. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's like, you know, the goddess has arrived. Yes. You know, and it's like, yes, this love. This intelligence, this this beauty, um, I am the representation. All women, that's what the goddess means, is the representation of spirit, God, in physical form. Why wouldn't you want to claim all of that beauty and intelligence and love and and share it? You know, and that is what the definition of the goddess truly is. It's you know, it's not this beautiful woman on a shampoo bottle or <laughs> a Greek Greek goddess of mythology. Like that's already putting her in a box. You know, and right. it's like, no, it's just so much more than that. And women are taught to make themselves shrink or feel smaller over thousands and thousands of years because everybody knows we have that power and they fear that power. And that's exactly what's going on in the world right now. So all these women that are coming forward like yourself who are stepping up to the plate and saying, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be small and I'm going to speak from my heart. And although it may not make sense, I really don't care. Because I really don't care how smart you are. I care how kind you are. You know, yeah. I care, you know, how you treat me. I care how you treat others, you know. And we've gotten so into the part of everything has to be intellectualized, to be proven, to do this. To, and I just go, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand that. I don't need to understand that. All I need to understand, you know, is the basics as a child going back to innocence that has no fear. I sleep when I'm tired. I eat when I'm hungry. <laughs> You know, I love being spontaneous. I love playing. I love all these things. And I think as we get older, that's what makes us get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. We we lose our innocence, hmm. you know, and children, True. children bring us back to that space and place, that intelligence. So they do being in the present moment. Yeah. I think about you think about thousands of dollars. Everybody spends all these courses we go to. All, all, all we go back what we knew when we were a kid. <laughs> how, does, how do you be still? How do you talk to a tree? How do you lay down on the ground? How do you look up at the stars? You know, oh, I got to do all these breath exercises. I got I to learn how to breathe again. I got I to learn how to be again. And I'm like, oh my God, heck, I did it. Yeah. Just... <laughs> and I was like, amazing. Brings you back to what you know when you were first put on this planet and born, you know? Happy baby pose. Happy baby pose. Wow. <laughs> Just get into a happy baby. <laughs> Well, you know, think about it. All yoga postures are reflection of nature, geometrical shape. Yep, yep. Back to basics. You know, as the natives say, you have to slow down in order to catch up. Duh. Hello. Yeah, yeah. It's really Hello. easy. It's Trying pretty, to pretty simple. And I wanted to hear what the nine, you said nine something or others. You learned, you wrote about in the book. Oh, okay, yeah. So I wrote, with every chapter came a lesson. So the first lesson is acceptance. Accept everything that comes your way as God-given. Pleasure, accept it. Pain, accept it. Profit, accept it. Loss, accept it. 
<laughs> everything. You just have to accept. The lesson two was connection to spirit. And yeah, we all know that's important. Lesson three is grace and gratitude. Lesson four, take its time out. And basically I was saying there, you know, life throws us curveballs, and sometimes the only choice we have is to stop and take the time to feel the effect of the unhittable pitch. And we have to kind of stop and just take take stock of what happened to us and, and give ourselves a chance. I think sometimes, you know, we go through these tough times in life and we, um, we don't take time. We just, uh, a lot of times we'll just go back to work or, I don't know, in other countries, they give you time off for, for grieving. And this country, I don't know what's wrong with us. We just, we seem to want to just keep plowing through and that's not the healthy way to do it, in my opinion. Lesson five is surrender. We talked about that a little bit. Lesson six, bliss. I talk about following your bliss and, um, yeah, just finding your your purpose and your passion and following your bliss. Lesson seven is balance, finding the balance. And I talked about how I found yoga, just exercise, eating well. I mean, all that stuff, the body, the body, you got to get the body in, in shape and using the different modalities um, to try, try to do that. And then lesson eight was reaching out because I feel like one of the final stages of grief is really helping others, reaching out to help others heal. Um, that's like the ultimate, just like you teach, you're teaching what you know, I, you're in, in that, in your own way, you're healing yourself through your teaching. I mean, I'm sure you, you recognize that. And then lesson nine, peace with death. It's probably not the most, uh, sexy chapter, but, I do feel like if we can make peace with death in this life, we um, we stand a pretty good chance of living a happy, healthy life. So, so that's it. Those are my nine lessons. That's it. Kai, I'm really I'm really happy for you. How's your husband? How did he go through all this process with you? Oh. Sometimes you know it ends a marriage. You know, marriage right. can't handle it, right. and they go two different directions. So, like, how did you? Both go through that. Well, that is true. A lot of marriages don't do well. We were we were pretty lucky. I mean, it wasn't always easy, and we definitely grieved in different ways. And I went on a whole different <laughs> journey than he did because I was like, I am gonna find out where my child went, come <laughs> hell or high water, and I don't care if you come with me or whatever. And actually, one time. I'll tell you the story. We went to Sedona, Arizona, and he's so sweet. I mean, I he got on this this bus with me. We took a vortex tour, and we were on <laughs> we were on this bus, and they started playing this extraterrestrial music, and and uh, the guide was there, and she said, "So tell me why you came on this tour." And um, everybody had a different reason. There were like four or five of us, and a couple of them were like quantum physicists and you know scientists, and they wanted to find out what all this energy mojo stuff was. And I was like, "Well, my daughter died, and I'm healing from the grief, and I want to know where she is." And my husband's like, "I just want to know what's 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 going on in her mind. I just want to." I want to just be there with her. He was so cute. I, don't, I can't even remember exactly what he said, but everybody thought he was so cute. I mean, I think they thought I was a little wacko, but they thought he was really cute because he said, I just, I'm just here for her. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, oh my God. Yeah, he's been alongside of me, but yeah, grief in a, um, 
in a relationship is not easy and couples deal with it in different ways. Men grieve differently than women, especially in our culture. And right. we got some counseling, we had some help and it really, it did help us. It, it helped us get through it and really come to a deeper relationship. I think, I think that, I think it actually brought us closer rather than, um, so it could have gone the other way though. It was, uh, there were a couple, couple potential, uh, there were a couple chances for us to not make it. So I'm, I'm grateful that we did. We stuck with it. Wow. So, so that helped you come up with all the principles of your book. Oh, oh yeah. Well that, and I don't know where they came from. <laughs> they came from up there somewhere. <laughs> so just through me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, um, I'm not sure where I'm going with it, but I'm just trusting that it's uh, going to unfold in as graceful a manner as, as it has already. So, and if it does, I'll, I'm happy with that. So good for you. Congratulations. So, so how can we get the book? Well, it's on Amazon. It's on, um, Amazon Kindle, and because I'm a voiceover talent, I did my own audiobook, so it's on um, Audible. And um, you can find more information at backtohappybook.com, www.backtohappybook.com. I guess we don't say that anymore. Back, www is no longer, we don't have to say that anymore. So, I guess, right? <laughs> I'm asking the technology guru, Sierra Bender, technology guru. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Sierra. This has been a great conversation. Let's um, keep in touch and come back on the podcast soon to give us your update and tell us all how we can be involved in helping to empower women to take, take control on college campuses so that no one else has to go through any, any more trauma. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Willing and able. I know you are, goddess. All right, go uh, ride your horse. Thank you. Bye, Connie. <laughs> right. to see you. Bye. Mwah. That's okay. You look great. Bye, honey. See ya. Love you. Bye. Love you. Back to happy. A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.